good evening, everybody, and welcome back to Exploring the Lord of the Rings. This is session number 226. Um, glad to be back. For those of you who are following along live, it's been a bit of a hiatus as I've been traveling um, the last couple weeks. Um, of course, I couldn't tell you where I was traveling last week in advance, but of course, uh, as many of you have heard, um, I was uh, I was in London uh, for the Amazon Prime Video thing. Uh, they flew a bunch of us out there uh, to see a sneak peek of the show and even better, get to meet the showrunners. That was just the coolest thing. Um, because they are fantastic. The two guys, JD and Patrick, who are... Um, uh, the showrunners uh, on the show um, are just, they were so impressive. It was amazing. Uh, they're, um, you know, I set out to, I, you know, when I was going to meet with them, my only determination, I wasn't trying to pump them for spoilers or anything like that. My only determination was to see, like, do they, do they know Tolkien? Do they love Tolkien? And do they get Tolkien? Those were my three questions. And just, just a resounding yes to all of those things. Um, and I was so excited, so excited to discover that. In fact, I will say some of the answers, I can't tell you their answers to our questions, but um, some of the answers that they gave were just like far beyond my wildest expectations of what they might say. Um, as far as demonstrating their, not only their familiarity with Tolkien's works, intimate familiarity with Tolkien's works, um, like citing, you know, footnotes from Christopher Tolkien to like volumes of the history of Middle Earth kind of level of familiarity. Um, but, um, but also just that they, they, they got it. And, you know, they rattle off some of the major themes that they're focused on and interested in. And it was fantastic. So anyway, I was very, very excited uh, after meeting them. So um, anyway, yeah, it's been uh, uh, it was that was uh, that was that was really awesome. And I don't know if they're hiding behind a discord handle Bjorning. I do know that one of them uh, definitely has been a listener uh, to my stuff. Um, it was uh, it was kind of a, a fun moment. Um, I, you know, went up and started to introduce myself to him. And he said he interrupted me and said, I know who you are. <laughs> so I was like, oh, OK, <laughs> it was nice. Um, so um, anyway, that was uh, that was that was very cool. Um, and, uh, uh, anyway, so, uh, so it was, it was, and I heard a, a story or two actually from someone else who was there, uh, whom I can't tell you about, but another person who was involved in the production, um, was telling me stories about like, they were making jokes about Balrog wings, like Balrog wings came up and they were immediately all making jokes, uh, uh, about, uh, my podcast and stuff. So there, there we are. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, um, it was, um. Uh, uh, that was just, that was awesome. So that's where I was last week. So that's, that's my excuse. Well, technically last week I was, uh, at the airport <laughs> when, when, uh, we were supposed to be having class. So I wasn't quite there yet, but it was, uh, um, uh, but it was, uh, it was, it was fun. Um, anyway, so, um, so that was just, you know, just wanted to kind of, uh, uh, just kind of acknowledge that um, I've been posting about that. If you want to learn more about um, 
you know, what we learned and our experiences there. Maggie, my co-host Maggie Park from Other Minds and Hands was there with me too. Um, and uh, she and I did a long show this afternoon, um, Other Minds and Hands, episode nine, um, where we just kind of talked about our experiences for the whole time. So, um, um and Druid's Fire, I was totally thinking about Harriet Jones, Prime Minister, when he said that. I was like, I'm having a Doctor Who moment. Um, but um, anyway, so so yeah, I I, um, I, I, I recommend if you want to learn more about, you know, my thoughts and reactions after the London event, um, uh, check out today's episode, episode nine, as they say, of Other Minds and Hands, and you can hear more about it. Um, but um, uh, anyway... Um, what else is there? Oh, yeah. Other thing. Mythmoot announcement. I wanted to confirm for people where we are going to be located. So the link to the housing form is not yet available. I've been told that's coming very, very soon, um, as is final confirmation of uh, the um, uh, the presentation schedule and everything. That's all coming very soon. But um, we are going to be at the Dulles Airport Marriott is where we are going. We were, we've been looking for hotels in the area where we're transferring from the National Conference Center uh, because as you may have heard the story before, uh, the place where we have been having Mythmoot for years and are hoping to return, um, that like strange, quirky and delightful place, the National Conference Center in Leesburg, Virginia, um, has been given over to uh, refugee children um, from Afghanistan, which is wonderful. Uh, so we are so glad um, that they're doing that, you know, that they're giving that space uh, f to that cause. So, uh, but it has meant that we've been kind of having to, we've been having to transfer and it's been a little complicated, but we are going to be at the Dulles Airport Marriott. So for those of you who are flying in, it'll be really convenient. You won't even need to get a taxi or anything. It's, it'll be right there um, uh, at the Airport Marriott. So uh, should be, uh, should be, uh, should be pretty Pretty cool. Have we secured the use of airport terminals for mass reenactments? I do not think so, uh, but I am not yet a hundred percent sure about the uh, the the scope of our <laughs> of our uh, uh, run of the place there, uh, uh, Christopher. So we'll see, and um, we'll see how that goes. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah. So I can confirm that is our location. So and, and the other thing that I want to say, um, because we're dealing with the uh, the NCC has been very flexible with us. One of my personal pet peeves when it comes to conference planning is I hate closing registration. Um, uh, it's always like a tug of war between, you know, us who are planning and running the event and the, uh, the venue, the people who run the venue, the people who run the venue want to know the final numbers of how many people are coming like as far in advance as possible. And I always want to keep registration open as down to the last minute as possible because I don't want to turn anybody away. So um, this is the continuous tug of war between us and our venue. And uh, it's another thing that I have liked about the NCC is that they've been uh, very flexible with us on that point. Very tolerant of my desire to uh, keep the doors open uh, as long as I possibly can. Um, but since we're having to transfer to a, a more sort of traditional hotel venue this year, um, I, my understanding is that the deadline is going to be a good deal sooner. Um, so you cannot wait until the last second to sign up for Mythmoot this year. Um, so I would definitely urge people, uh, if you're thinking of coming to Mythmoot or planning to come to Mythmoot, um, sign up. 
sooner is much better than later. Definitely get uh, your registration in during the month of May because um, it's uh, uh, we're going to have to close down. We are going to be obligated to close that down sooner rather than later. Um, but anyway. Dulles Airport Marriott. The lodging link will be out soon um, and uh, the schedule and things like that. We've been, there's a lot that's been kind of on hold as we've been waiting to absolutely finalize our final venue. But that's the, that adventure is now about 99% of the way done. um, And then we'll be uh, releasing the last bits. So that is what is going on with MythMoot. Wanted to make sure. And yes, the virtual MythMoot will definitely still be a thing uh, this year, uh, This year, Troy. Um, we started that last year. We plan to continue that again this year. So you are able to sign up again. You can sign up for that now um, for virtual MythMoot. And for that, by the way, they can't make us shut the doors on that one. <laughs> like They may have some contractual reason, you know, way to obligate me to tell them their numbers uh, and to tell them our numbers of physical attendees in advance. But doggone it, they can't control how long we leave the digital uh, uh, registration open. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, um, uh, so that is... Um, that is that is definitely going to be going to be available, um, and yeah, Dan, uh, the schedule should be soon. I I, I hope it will be uh, it will be very soon. I'm going to hope it'll be this week, but we'll we'll see. I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but very soon. All right, okay, very good. Let us get back into the text then. So we were looking at, as I distantly remember, um, Elrond's parting words here, his last full speech. Um, and I want to, um, I want to focus on the latter half of this paragraph because there's some things there, um, that I feel like we didn't, um, we, we didn't sort of get to, and they, what's more, it's the, the parts that transition into the next portion into, uh, uh, his discussion with Gimli, which I think is, um, it like low key, one of my favorite moments in the fellowship of the ring. I just, I've always loved this exchange between, uh, Elrond and, uh, Gimli. Um, it's, this is just, this is just good fun. So anyway, okay. Um, the others go with him as free companions to help him on his way. You may tarry or come back or turn aside into other paths as chance allows. The further you go, the less, the less easy will it be to withdraw. Yet no oath or bond is laid on you to go further than you will. For you do not yet know the strength of your hearts, and you cannot foresee what each may meet upon the road. Um... Notice how far out of his way Elrond goes. Not only to, not only does he refuse to bind them, right, but he like suggests that they leave, right. He like gives them pointers here, right. You may tarry or come back or turn aside into other paths as chance allows. You know, whatever. Like, do you, right? Make your make yourself happy, right. Um, I mean, this is a weird set of instructions, right? You are setting out now, right? The ring bearer is setting out on the quest of Mount Doom. Like, this is a really big deal, right? Okay, fate of the world rests upon this quest, everybody. But if you want to just kind of stop, right? If you want to tarry, right? So if on the way you're just like, nah, I'm good. I'm just going to stop. You guys go on. I'm good. That's fine. No problems. 
right? If you want to come back, if you just decide, nah, yeah, actually this, this bites, I'm going back to Rivendell. Fine. No problem. Right. Or if you want to, if, if you want to turn aside in other paths, if like something else draws your attention, you know, and you're like, you know, Ooh, squirrels, right. Okay. Then fine. Go visit the squirrels. Like that. It's all good. Um, I mean, it's, doesn't it seem just a little bit strange that he's, he seems to be practically encouraging them uh, to leave, right? I mean, he is absolutely giving them, at the very least, he's giving them very remarkable freedom or permission, right, um, to leave if, uh, if, they, if something comes up. Now, he does emphasize, as chance allows, right? As chance allows, um, that's a little strange, but yeah, let's come back to some other things. Uh, Evil Dr. Cannon, I agree. Uh, since Dominion is such a negative theme in the story, I wonder if Tolkien is deliberately making the Fellowship bonded by free will. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, and Elrond, we've seen Elrond, this is Elrond, like, I don't know if he's tripling or quadrupling down on this theme by now, but he's been big on this, right? From the Council of Elrond on, he's been really big on the, I'm not going to force anybody to do anything. I'm not going to pressure anybody to do anything. Um, I am going to wait for people to like speak up and volunteer. And he's re-emphasizing this, right? Um, you may do what you need to do. You are not None of you are bound to this quest. There's only one who is bound, right? Only one on whom any charge is laid, and that's the ring bearer, right? But of course, you'll remember how he has already front-loaded that with a whole bunch of free will, right? Um, uh, explicitly asking, for, you know, waiting until Frodo re-volunteers, remember? You know, um, yes, I will go with Sam, remember that? Um, so, um, uh yeah, yeah. So anyway, he, he he gives them his blessing to do any one of these things. Turn aside into other paths. Okay. Um, something else might come up. And of course, we know something else is going to come up, right? Um, notice, by the way, all of these things are actually going to happen, except for coming back, right? No one's going back. No one's just going to double back and return to Rivendell. Actually, wait. Well, it's almost true. It's almost true. Bill the Pony is Bruinier is just the one I was thinking of. He's, he doesn't go to Rivendell. He goes back to Bree, right? Um, but I guess if we count that, Bill kind of uh, comes back, right? Um, Gandalf is going to tarry. I mean, that's a method of tarrying, right? They're going to leave him behind anyway, right? Um, and of course, Aragorn and Gimli and Legolas are going to turn aside into other paths, right? I mean, that's the big choice that Aragorn is going to be making above the, the Falls of Rauros, right? At the beginning of the Two Towers. Um, so all of those things, if we, if we count Bill in on the coming back part, um, uh, this is, um, yeah, this is a big deal. And I agree, Bjorning. Um, I, I agree. Trifle uh, was making the point about, you know, wondering how Parth Galen would have gone if oaths had been sworn, right? That's a really interesting question. Uh, I, I don't know. But yeah, I agree. Um, let's, uh, let's remember to talk about that when we get to Parth Galen. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. Um, but I agree. Carnemirie, when we look forward from here, the fact that they are not pathbound uh, to follow is what allows the entire plot uh, of the later parts to unfold. Yeah, yeah. Think of the burden that would have been on Aragorn, right? Um, if he had sworn an oath there, right? That alone, that alone is um, is kind of a big deal, right? Um, he would not have been able to do what he needed to do. I mean, it's ironic to think that, like, had Aragorn gone with Frodo to guide and protect him, the quest would certainly have failed. But that seems almost certainly true. I'm not saying that Aragorn was himself going to personally muck it up, right? Um, but he ended up playing a different important role, right? Um, had he been with Frodo, he would not have been with the rest of them. And who knows? Who knows? Um, I think it's, you can also argue, what happens if Aragorn's there? Kirith Ungol, right? What happens if, if Ar- I mean, who knows? Who knows? Lots of speculations, right? Um, but, um, but yeah, trifle as you say, in the end, chance calls everyone except Frodo and Sam to a different path, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And now, um, uh, Vardendil, you're right, of course. I don't think, it's certainly not now, Aragorn would not have sworn that oath. His whole plan is to turn aside into another path, right? As he said to Frodo at the very beginning, he and Boromir are on their way to Minas Tirith. They're just tagging along for, you know, 90% of the trip or 80% of the trip or whatever, right? Um, but uh, he's never intending to go with Frodo to Mount Doom. At this point. And so he certainly would not have taken that oath right now. But um, but anyway, I do think this Elrond's emphasis, right, his laying out all of these possibilities. Um, this is just this is a very emphatic way to say not just that it's OK, not just that you don't have to go, that you are not, you are free to do what you want to do. But it's, I think it's more than that. I think it's more than just about personal freedom. And it comes down to that reference to chance, right? As several of you have been pointing out. I mean, obviously we're kind of uh, trained to focus on that word, right? Uh, By the, you know, chance of chance, you call it lines and that kind of thing. Um, And I think that we are right to have that reaction to the reference to chance in this sentence, right? Elrond is not merely and not merely thinking about their choosing. He is thinking about their choosing, but that's not all that he's thinking about. He is also thinking about none of them know the plan, right? I mean, what is the plan? What is the plan of the good guys? The good guys don't have much of an independent strategy, right? I mean, they have a vague outline. Let's have a go at chucking the ring into Mount Doom, right? I mean, but that's not so much a plan as a, a you know, a goal, <laughs> right? A plan requires a little bit more than that. Um, but there's there's very little in the way of concrete plan here, right? From the beginning, and we remember we were looking at this in the Council of Elrond, it seems pretty clear to me that both Gandalf and Elrond are both basically saying, "Okay, we're um, 
we're trying to pick up what Providence is putting down here, right? We are gauging that this is what we're supposed to do, not because um, we have a plan, right? That we've come up with a genius strategy that's going to undo Sauron, but out of, we're going to operate on Estelle, right? Because we have hope that what should be shall be, um, we're going to move forward. We're going to move forward not seeing any reason to believe, any rational reason to believe this is going to succeed, right? Remember, this is we were talking about this again in the context of all of the, you know, small hands do them because they must conversation, right? Um, let us do what we seem positioned to do, right? And at the end of the day, the primary strategy is we're just going to trust that this is going to work out. And I think that we can see Elrond employing or pointing to that same exact strategy here, right? As chance allows, if chance allows, if something comes up that makes stopping, coming back, turning aside into other paths seem like a good idea, you might better roll with that, right? You know, that's... um. Because that's how we, the good guys, are rolling. We're not making strategies. We're not making cunning plans. We are not, uh, we're not trying to come up with a winning formula for getting the ring to Mount Doom. We have not, not only do we not have a foolproof formula, formula, we don't even have a plausible formula, right? Um, I mean, if you think ahead to uh, Denethor's mocking words... Uh, right to send the ring in the hands of a witless halfling uh, into Mordor. Yep, that's pretty much the plan. That's it, <laughs> right? Um, especially emphasize the witlessness, right? And not that, of course, they would say such a rude thing, um, but that's totally the plan, right? Um, and he seems to be almost prompting them. Watch out for your opportunities. It's not just that for them to take an an oath that binds their wills, right, might be a bad thing. But they have no idea. They can't foresee what's going to come. And what they think might be best, it might be a good idea. It might be a necessary thing for them to leave the ring bearer and not stick with him to the bitter end. So, it would be an actively good thing for them not to promise to stick with him until the bitter end. And of course, as we'll see, yeah, actually, it's kind of exactly how things turn out. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, uh, JJ, it's a little bit like Harry Potter taking Felix Felicis except it's uh, just the deus without the machina in that case. Um, <laughs> if, if I can put it that way. Um, but, um, but yeah, yeah. Um, and look at where he goes, Elrond, goes from here. The further you go, the less easy will it be to withdraw. Yet no oath or bond is laid on you to go further than you will. For you do not yet know the strength of your hearts, and you cannot foresee what each of you may meet upon the road. 
notice how in that penultimate sentence there, he begins foretelling. Remember, this is kind of Elrond's bag, right? He does this kind of thing, foresees, um, you know, sort of looks ahead. The further you go, the less easy will it be to withdraw. That's a foretelling, right? He's forecasting that. I'm thinking here, of course, from the nature of Middle-earth, the difference between foretelling and forecasting. I suspect that's a forecasting right there. Um, But, uh, uh, and sorry, for those of you who weren't in those discussions um, or haven't read the nature of Middle-earth, it's the difference Tolkien was emphasizing, the difference between a foretelling, which is like, you know, receiving a message from uh, a Valar or even directly from a Luvatar about what the future is, right? Like you're receiving something from outside yourself, knowledge about the future from outside yourself. Forecasting is wise, uh, a wise and experienced person telling you, here's the odds are, I predict based upon my experience and observations, this is probably what's going to happen. Um, and of course, some of the very uh, wise and very experienced can do that so well that it sounds like they're just be you know prophetically foretelling when that's not necessarily the case. Um, but um, but anyway, okay. So here he is for forecasting, possibly foretelling, certainly at least forecasting. The further you go, the less easy will it be to withdraw. And then he also. In the se- and so he, he, he starts foreseeing in the second to last sentence, and then in the last sentence talks about foreseeing, right? You cannot foresee what each may meet upon the road. So he is both making a prediction, but he's also emphasizing none of us can really predict what's going to happen, what's going to come, right? Um, so why... Would an oath be bad? Because we don't know that that would even be a desirable outcome, a good idea, right? I mean, to say, I'm going to make you all, if he were to say, I'm going to make you all swear oaths to help and support the ring bearer for as long as you possibly can, right? You know, as long as there's breath in your body, you you need to, like be with the ring bearer and support him no matter what, right? Um, Think, by the way, of the difference this makes, how this is different from the, from the film, right? The film, at the, in the film, the Council of Elrond ends with that wonderful moving scene, right? Of everybody stepping forward and pledging themselves uh, to Frodo, right? Um, In the book, both in the Council of Elrond and then again, and now here even more emphatically as they're leaving Rivendell, Elrond is like discouraging everybody from doing anything like, whatever you do, don't come and put yourself to Frodo, right? Um, that is not at all what it, how it should work and what it should do, right? Um, and now it's true, as several of you have made reference to, and a lot of people, um, a lot of people, you know, observe the fact that oaths often... Um, are a little dubious, right? Um, and Elrond will have seen uh, the, you know, he's seen the Oath of Feanor at work firsthand, right? Um, in his childhood. Um, so, um, yes, I agree that certainly, I, I don't think that oaths are quite as simple 
a matter. Um, sometimes people, I think, get a little bit carried away with this motif in Tolkien's work. I don't think he's quite as anti-oath categorically uh, as sometimes um, uh, people will will sort of uh, characterize him. Um, there are definitely good oaths. I mean, there's, for instance, not a whiff of um, criticism, concern um, uh, about the oath of Aeoril, Kyrian and Aeoril, right? That one's like a two thumbs up oath right there right um uh so so yeah i i um i don't think that um all oaths are always questionable uh in tolkien's world um but nevertheless it still remains that sure elrond would have some reason to question the oath but 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 more than that i think that the thing that that kind of um association with oaths, right? That like, you got to be careful of oaths and oaths can be really bad. I think that that actually uh, kind of cloaks what's really going on here to some extent. Um, that is to say, he's not just like oath-phobic Elrond, right? He's not just like PTSD, like, no, 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 don't, you know, don't swear oaths. I've seen that go badly. Again, he has, and I'm not saying he doesn't feel that way. Um, but it's more than just aversion to swearing oaths that underlies this, right? Again, the oath to never leave or forsake Frodo is presumptuous. That, I think, is the fundamental issue that he's getting at here. It's presumptuous. Presumptuous in the sense that it presumes that they know that sticking with Frodo to the end is the best thing to do. Right? I mean, it's, it's, you have to be, when you're taking an oath like that, you, you're, the risk that you're taking is that that oath is always going to be a good thing. Now, there are some oaths that are worse than others. I mean, the oath of Feanor is not a good thing at any point. Right? There's there's no there there isn't even really a moment where the oath of Fanor looks like it's a great idea, but then oh it backfires in the end. Like, no, that was a bad idea from the moment of its utterance, right? Um so on the spectrum of oaths, it's obviously, you know, sort of the uh the 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 prime example in that way. Um but but again, notice where he just came from. You may tarry or come back or turn aside into other paths as chance allows. you got to be open to chance. Watch for your opportunities. Stuff is going to come up. Don't forget, guys, we're not driving this bus. We've, there's no itinerary here, right? We have no idea what's going to happen. We are stepping out in hope, right? In hope, in Estelle... Um, not, uh, um, not in, um, um, wow, blanking long end of a three broadcast day. Opposite of Estelle is, uh, Amdir. Thank you for Thalas, man. Yikes. Long day. Um, not in Amdir, right? They're not assuming they're, you know, that, that when you, the Amdir hope is the, like, I'm playing the odds hope. Right. Like, I think um, I, I, uh, I, I, I believe that things are going to turn out well if I do this. Right. And that's not the kind of hope that they're stepping out in. They're stepping out in Estelle um, because this seems like 
this seems like the thing that they should be doing, and they are trusting that things are going to work out, but only if they don't get in the way, such as by taking an oath, right? Um, and here's the other thing. Why do you think he says, the further you go, the less easy will it be to withdraw? I think he's warning them to be ready to leave. The further you go, the less easy will it be to withdraw. The thing that I think that he's implying there is, but remember, you might need to withdraw. Chance might come, which provides the opportunity to turn aside to other paths or tarry or come back. And it might turn out that that's the right thing to do. That indeed, it's essential for you to do that thing. And the further along your journey you go, the harder it's going to be for you to do that. And of course, this is exactly what we're going to see with Aragorn. It is going to be hard for Aragorn to abandon Frodo and chase the orcs that have captured Merry and Pippin. Oops, spoilers, right? I mean, that's going to be a hard choice because the further they go, the less easy will it be to withdraw, right? They're committed. Um, you know, if we remember ahead, and this is only remembering ahead a little bit, Aragorn is going to say, um, I cannot now abandon the ring bearer. Now, right? Um, this decision would have been easier uh, a little bit less far along the way. The further you go, the less easy will it be to withdraw. I think that he's cautioning them against that. Like, do not harden yourself in one way or the other right now. Don't close your options. Do not blind yourself to the possibilities of the, the opportunities that may arise, that chance may bring into your path, right? It's important. This is the strategy, right? The strategy is walk out towards it and see what happens, right? Because we have hope that there's a, another power involved here, right? Um, that's why we're not strategizing and sending Gorfindel, right? We're sending Frodo instead. Um, um, yeah. No, and for Thanos, I'm not trying to undermine that. Um, I absolutely agree that um, Aragorn's choice at Parthgallon is different because there are two paths leading to those in great need. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um but that's the point is that, again, what made it harder for him, it would have been easier if it had come in Holland, say, right? Um, if that choice had come up in Holland, he, Gandalf would have still been there, right? So he could have split. Anyway, but that's the point. Elrond is saying the further you go, I'm, I'm telling you, the further you go, the less easy it's going to be. And he's absolutely right. The farther they go. And you can hear Aragorn saying like, this had been my plan, but I can't... Can I do that now? I don't think I can do that now. And then he makes the hard choice. Anyway, we'll get to looking at the details of his choice and how that's... Uh, we don't have to draw conclusions about Aragorn's choice from this distance. But um, um, but anyway, I'm, I, all I'm saying is Elrond's going to prove to be right. right? I mean, this is in that's in fact exactly what we're going to see. Not saying there aren't other factors as well, but this, in fact, will really be true. Um, and I think that that's the context of this. The context of that sentence, the further you go, the less easy it will be to withdraw, is the sentence before. You may tarry or come back or turn aside as chance allows. And I don't think he's warning them, um, you know, like, get out while you can, 
right? Because you're going to feel more and more entrapped in this quest the further you go. I think what he's telling them is keep your eyes open. Don't blind yourself, right? Don't shut yourself off from um, uh, from these from these other possibilities, from these other chances. Yet no oath or bond is laid on you to go further than you will, right? Um, you, 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 you don't, I, again, emphasizing, um, don't feel like you have to go on, right? You, if you go on, you are going on only by your own free will. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, Yeah, Bjorning in Exile, I do think that there's a lesson here in the importance of interrogating the circumstances surrounding us. Um, uh, yes, to cut yourself off from emerging needs, we will see that is uh, by following, that's where chance comes in, right? As things arise, um, you need to be like, what decision making is a really interesting thing in the Lord of the Rings. There are actually relatively few choices. I mean, there's some like really small choices, but as far as like major choices, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. There's not all that many actually. Um, and when they come up, it's kind of a big deal, right? Um, and Elrond is pointing, giving some pointers that are going to be relevant when those um, uh, when those choosing moments come, um, and I think that's a really interesting element of this uh, passage that had never really struck me this forcibly before. Um, uh, yeah, for Thomas, that's a really interesting um, that's a really interesting way to think about it. Thinking about how the company here is like a representation of the free peoples. Um, and so Fort Thoughtless says, as stand-ins for their people, the members have to be free to go their own way or the construction of the Nine Walkers would have no value. Um, yeah, yeah, it's... Um, nobody's just being forced into this, right? That there's... Uh, Elrond seemed fairly explicit about the... Um, about the... Uh, symbolic significance of the Nine Walkers. Right. I mean, symbolism seems to have played a really important role in his decisions about how to compose the company of the ring. Right. Um, whom who 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 got invited, who got nominated uh, to the company of the ring. Um, and that seems a little bit silly to say almost right that, you know, he was choosing for symbol for symbolic reasons. But. Totally. He seems to be choosing for symbolic reasons. That really does seem to be um, to be what happened. Um, and then Fourth Dauntless, as you're suggesting, then we come back to um, this emphasis in that context um, on on free will. Um, yeah. Yeah. And Stephen, I think you're right to point out the whole concept of uncertainty and choice making. Um, puts a lot of pressure on Aragorn. Having no oath to act as clear guidelines makes his leadership role even more difficult. Yes, um, Elrond is definitively not making this easy for them, right? Uh, to say it's one advantage of swearing an oath, right? If they swear an oath, 
not to leave Frodo and to help him however we can, um, right, to the giving of our lives, had they sworn an oath like that, well, their jobs would have been pretty... I'm not saying there aren't any circumstances that could arise to kind of complicate that a little bit, but, you know, your marching orders are pretty clear at that point. Um, Elrond is seems to be almost deliberately muddying those waters, right? And so, Stephen, you're certainly right. It's going to come back to, uh, it's, in a sense, it's going to come back to bite Aragorn later on um, when he is going to have to try to make up his, um, to make up his own mind about what he should do and how he should judge. And it's one of the things that I think is um, so fascinating about that, um, about that, element. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Um, and it is. Carnamiri, uh, I agree. It is like a side effect of not binding them. That is leaving things more complicated, right? Um, oh, that's interesting, Dan. Huh, that's a speculative question I think I've never asked. And th that is, the question is about, okay, so should Boromir have left at some point? If so, at what point? And what would have happened if he had? Um, I think it's really interesting. Um, yeah. No, uh, so the Spectre, I, I, so, and I don't even know, Dan, the answer to that question. I just think it's a really interesting question to throw out there. I have to think about that a lot more. Um, but anyway, the specter, yeah, um, muddying the waters is not really a good metaphor at all. Um, all I mean is he's complicating. It's much harder. Like it's to uh, just kind of be waiting to see what happens and open to the suggestions of chance and providence, right? And, and uh, you know, have your eyes peeled for those kinds of nudges, opportunities, or whatever. Um, uh, that's much harder than um, just making a promise and sticking to it, right? And that's what I think we'll see if we actually get there. Um, that's where Gimli's head is, right? Um, but anyway, last sentence, and then we'll move on to that. For you do not yet know the strength of your hearts, and you cannot foresee what each may meet upon the road. Now let's think about that. I always think about this in the context of what comes exactly after, but um, let's look at this as the summation of this paragraph, right? Why is he emphasizing their free will and free choice and repeatedly saying you can leave if you want to, and again, perhaps if you should, right? Um for you do not yet know the strength of your hearts, and you cannot foresee what each may meet upon the road. Um, on the one hand, this sounds like this could be taken, as I think we will see evidence uh, fairly soon, um, this could be taken not as an insult, but as a, like him saying, you... Uh, I'm leaving you an escape clause because all the whole bunch of you might wimp out, right? Um, so just in case you wimp out, which is likely, I'm going to leave you an out clause, right? I mean, that's 
one way to interpret that sentence. I'm not saying I think that's what Elrond is saying, but it's, it would be one way to hear it, right? Um, that he's doubting them. You do not yet know the strength of your hearts. It's like, wait, is he suggesting that he does, you know, and it's not as strong as you think it is? I don't know. Um, but, um, but you cannot foresee what each may meet upon the road. Uh, meaning we might meet something that is going to shame us, right? That is going to, you know, like we, I mean, there have been hints at this kind of thing, right? That, uh, you know, the Merry and Pippin would not dare to go if they really knew what was coming, right? Um, is that what he, is he still talking about that kind of thing? You cannot foresee what each of you may meet upon the road. Um, you may meet, all of you may meet your match, may meet something that you just have to run away from, you can't face. And so therefore, you know, it's okay if you run away. I won't judge you. Again, that's one way to read that sentence. Again, I'm not suggesting that that's exactly um, what he's saying, but it's possible to read it like that, right? Um, But again, what else... What else is there? Right. Yeah, exactly. See, Nancy and JJ saying, like, for instance, you guys might meet my mother-in-law. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> right, right. Um, but again, thinking of the context, I think there's more to that last sentence than that kind of a like threat or insult. Right. Um, especially that second half. You cannot foresee what each may meet upon the road. Um, remember, we have to keep that in the context of you may tarry or come back or turn aside into other paths as chance allows, right? What they may meet upon the road that they do not foresee could be, well, let's think about what some of them are going to meet on the road, right? Um, Gandalf... (laughs) is going to meet something he doesn't expect, and he is going to end up taking a side trip that he very certainly did not plan, right? Um, Aragorn is going to, you know, find himself confronted with his situation that is going to lead him to make the choice to leave Frodo and to go off after Merry and Pippin in the opposite direction than he had planned, in the direction that neither of the two directions that he is contemplating, right? Neither staying with Frodo to Mordor nor going to Minas Tirith, right? Instead, he's going to almost but not quite double back, right? And uh, head off into northern Rohan, right? Um, no, n- they do neither one of those foresee what they meet upon the road, right? Boromir also, I think, does not foresee what he's going to meet upon the road, right? All of them are going to be confronted with these situations and they don't yet know the strength of their hearts. Um, They're all going to be tested, right? They're all going to be tested, but they they can't foresee what they may meet upon the road. It's not just that they can't foresee how bad it's going to be or how strong the test is going to be. They don't even know what the test is going to be. Aragorn has no idea that he is going to be asked to choose to leave Frodo on his own, right? Gandalf does not know that he is going to be asked to sacrifice his life 
to save them from not even from Sauron, right? Um, from a random boss they meet in the journey, right? That was not in his plans. He did not anticipate that. Um, uh, Boromir certainly does not foresee the test that he is going to meet. And part of the reason that he does not foresee that is because he is, I think, currently overestimating the strength of his own heart. Um, yeah, good. Um, oh, Trifle, I think you just said a smart thing. Hang on, I missed it. Going back, where did you say that thing, Trifle? I don't see it. Hang on. I've lost it. Um, oh, there it is. Gimli is going to point out that he was ready for torture and death, but not beauty. Yes. Good. Thank you. That was the smart thing that I was hoping you were saying. Yes. Um, Gimli is going to meet something upon the road. Um, and he does not know the strength of his heart either. Their hearts are going to be tested, but not in ways that they necessarily expect. Gimli will come to that realization most explicitly. Right. Um, and uh, remember, remember that, um, remember that, remember ahead, um, Gimli, Gimli has the opportunity, the chance to tarry, right? He doesn't want to leave Lothlorien. Gimli doesn't, right? So... Again, discernment is going to be necessary. Do you stick with the quest? Or do you take the opportunity that arises? Right? He has the opportunity to tarry. His heart wants to tarry in Lothlorien. But he's going to choose not to. And it looks like that's the right choice. Right? Um, so again, there's, there's no simple answers. There's no simple answers um, in this stuff coming up. Um, uh, but... Um, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, these are the things that seem to be bound up in what Elrond is is telling them, and it's so much more complicated than it might seem at first, I think. Um, but now we get Gimli's response. And correct me if I'm wrong, am I forgetting something? These are Gimli's first words, aren't they? We've never heard Gimli speak before, have we? I don't think we have. We heard Glowen in the Council of Elrond and the dinner, of course. Um, and we were introduced to him, but I don't think he said anything. Um, I think, yeah, I think this is, I think these are Book Gimli's first words here. Um, Faithless is he that says farewell when the road darkens, said Gimli. Um, Very interesting opening words, right? Um, yeah, he starts off in a Proverbs battle with Elrond. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, it is kind of epic, right? I'm going to go toe-to-toe with the with the greatest lore master in quoting Proverbs, right, uh, at him. Because this certainly seems to be... Um, uh, so seems to be a quotation. We don't know a quotation of what. And maybe he's making it up off the top of his head, right? Um but what he is saying has the form of a general proverb, right? Faithless is he that says farewell when the road darkens. Um, 
his speaking in the third person. Um, the, uh, the, 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 the whole way this is constructed has that sense of this is a generally applicable aphorism, right? Faithless is he that says farewell when the road darkens. Um, and in quoting this in this context, it's pretty clear his intended application of that proverb in this particular circumstance, right? And so again, we can see going back to that last sentence, we can see how he was taking that. For you do not yet know the strength of your hearts, and you cannot foresee what each may meet upon the road. Elrond is what? Questioning their conviction? Questioning the strength of their hearts and the, the, the firmness of their determination? Faithless is he that says farewell when the road darkens. Clearly, um, I will not betray, you know, he's not speaking in the first person, but again, the implication, I think, is that he's, he's, isn't there a sense here of Gimli saying, okay, can we kind of cut through the elvish waffling here, right? Um, Master Elrond, you might be okay with saying like, well, you don't know the strength of your heart, so I'm not going to make you promise because you might not be able to handle it and there's a good chance you'll wimp out. So just in case you wimp out, you know, it's okay. We're not going to judge you. You can leave if you need to. It's no big deal. And you can see Gimli being like, come on, right? Forget this, you know, milk toast waffling. Right, exactly, Mr. Biggest is Elrond with the participation trophies. Right, absolutely, absolutely. He's like, no, forget this, right? Faithless is he that says farewell when the road darkens. Clearly, it's clear what is right and wrong here, right? If we're, if we're going along on this quest, and but things get like all dark and scary later on and we wimp out, well, shame on us, right? Let's not mince words here, Master Elrond, right? Um, Gimli lays down the black and white law here, right? If you say farewell when the road darkens, you are faithless, right? No dressing that up, right? Yeah, Stephen says, I feel like Boromir would be fist pumping in the background during Gimli's opening statement. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. Um, uh, yeah, so... Um, it's a very strong counter, which also suggests to me that Gimli is not understanding at all what's going on here. And remember, as Trifle was reminding us, I think there will come a time in, in the not-too-distant future when Gimli is going to understand what he does not now understand. Right. Um, look at Elrond's response to Gimli's forthright, straightforward honest simplification of the situation, right? This is a question of moral black and white. It is wrong to say farewell when the road darkens. It is wrong and cowardly. Not having it, right? Maybe, said Elrond, but let him not vow to walk in the dark who has not seen the nightfall. Elrond replies with another proverb. And although Gimli, I think, might not have made that one up, I think that he is possibly quoting something here. Um, maybe he made it up in this form. Maybe he's just quoting something. I feel confident that Elrond is making this up, right? Um, that he's like, ah, I shall counter your aphorism with another aphorism, right? Let him not vow to walk in the dark who has not seen the nightfall. Um
Yeah, Bjorning in Exile, I agree that Gimli is kind of misinterpreting here, that Elrond is not saying it's okay to leave if you get scared, which seems to be how Gimli is interpreting him, right? But what do we make of Elrond's response to that? Um, Let him not vow to walk in the dark who has not seen the nightfall. If he's trying to point Gimli back in the right direction, at first blush, he doesn't seem to be doing a very good job. Right? I mean, uh, again, to kind of paraphrase this exchange, doesn't it kind of sound like, you know, Elrond is saying, keep an open mind, you may have to leave, and it's going to be harder to leave later on, but it's okay if you leave. And Gimli says, um, no. It's bad to chicken out no matter what happens. And then Elrond responds by saying, but you don't even know from chickening out, right? I mean, you can't, you've never even, you say you're not going to be scared. You've never even had the opportunity to be scared before. So, you know, don't bite off more than you can chew, Mr. Bold and uh, impetuous dwarf, right? Doesn't it? Doesn't it kind of sound like that? You have no idea, kid. Yeah, kind of like that. Sounds a little bit like that. Um, that feels to me like an odd, um, an odd thing for Elrond to say, doesn't it? Yeah, for Thoughtless, as I'm struck by the contrast um, uh, between Elrond here and small hands do them because they must. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, let him not vow to walk in the dark who has not seen the nightfall. Yet sworn word may strengthen quaking heart, said Gimli, responding with another one. And uh, I suspect Gimli's making this up now, too. Right. Um, you know, this is... Uh, this is a this is an almost sort of forensic exchange, isn't it? Like this is this is a debate now, um, uh, and then Elrond just ends with one final quip. He doesn't. Gimli wins if winning means you stated the last aphorism. Um, Elrond just tacks on at the end, or break it, um, and then ends with. Um, ends with, look not too far ahead. Look not too far ahead, right? Yeah, Trifle, I agree. I think that that works. Trifle says, um, he doesn't say, let him not walk in the dark who's never walked in the dark before, but who has not seen the nightfall. That is, don't swear to do something that you don't have any conception of. Not necessarily in the sense of saying, you think you can handle it, I don't think you can handle it, right? I know, I've been through things like this before, you've not, my naive young friend, you think you can handle it, but boy, do you have something coming, right? Again, that's one way to hear what Elrond is saying there, but I don't think it need necessarily um, be that, right? Um let him not vow to walk in the dark who has not seen the nightfall. Um, that, even if we just take that, his metaphor there, on the literal level, 
thinking about walking and darkness, right? Let him not vow to walk in the dark who has not seen the nightfall. This doesn't just mean, it's not just about courage, right? You think you have the courage to walk in the dark, but you, my friend, haven't even seen the nightfall yet. When the nightfall comes, you may feel very, you may feel differently, right, than you think you will. That's one way to take it. But that's not the only possible way to take it, right? Um, you might say, I will walk through the dark. But that's just because you've not actually been out in the dark. When you see the nightfall, you may realize that walking in the dark is in fact a very bad idea, and you should not do that, right? To vow to walk in the dark if you have not seen the nightfall is not an act of bravado, or not only an act of bravado, it's an act of ignorance. It's an act of foolishness, right? Um, I shall go on by day and night. If you swear, you can swear a vow to do that, right? Thinking that it's a good idea, but it may end up being a horrible idea to do that, right? Um, that, that strikes me, Trifle, as a really good way, um, to, uh, to think about this, um, Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, Nancy, they've agreed to be, to let folly be their cloak, right? But um, what they did was redefine what wisdom was, right? Wisdom is not doing the cunning thing which, you know, uh, Vegas would lay good odds on succeeding, right? <clears throat> That's not... That usually is what people think of as being wisdom, right? Um, and Gandalf and Elrond in the Council of Elrond say, that's not how we're going to play it, right? That's not how we're going to approach this. Instead, we're going to do the thing that looks like foolishness. Like this whole, we're just going to put the ring in the smallest hands we can find and send him out with as little strength as seems plausible to send, right? Um, that's, uh, that's not wise in that other sense of wisdom, right? Um, but it is wise in the bigger picture when the only thing that makes it wise is that they believe they're not alone in this. Right, that they believe this is good. If we do this, this will work out not through our strength, right? But because this is how this story is meant to go, because there is some other power at work here that has been choreographing this, and we, especially Gandalf and Elrond, are picking up on that, right? And so, the wisest thing we can do is let that story unfold. No, we don't know how it's going to unfold. And so, yes, this seems like a really bad idea, right? And so we're letting folly be our cloak. But this kind of thing, um, again, the kind of folly that a vow would be is folly in a different direction, right? A folly that is premised upon, I know what's coming, right? I know what is best. I know the best plan, the best route. 
um, the best alternative here, the wisest alternative, right? And so therefore, I'm going to put all my chips on that square, right? Um, that's what swearing oaths would be, right? Um, faithless is he that says that says farewell when the road darkens. Maybe, but let him not vow to walk in the dark who has not seen the nightfall. Um, you don't know what it would mean to walk in the dark. Again, not Gimli's assuming that walking in the darkness is because he's thinking only in terms of like courage and cowardice, right? That walking in the darkness, walking despite the darkness, persevering despite the darkness obviously the right thing to do, right? And since it's obviously the right thing to do, why not take an oath, right? Because, Elrond says, actually, walking in the dark, um, you might, and I don't know how many of you have had this experience, right? How many of you have had the experience of being out walking, like walking in the woods or something, you know, like hiking in the woods? Um, and you've said to yourself, maybe because you were under the influence of memories of chapter three of the Fellowship of the Ring and the nighttime walking of Merry and Pippin, or sorry, of Pippin and Frodo, I mean, and Sam, um, maybe you've said to yourself, I'm going to keep walking, right? I'm going to, I'm, you know, I'm walking here. It's the, the sun's going down. It's starting to get a little dim in here, um, but I'm going to keep walking, um, you know, for a couple hours after dark, right? And then the sun actually sets and nightfall falls <clears throat> and you're like, holy cow, it is really dark <laughs> here, right? This is not like Thuria's company at all, right? Um, <clears throat> they, I think they were on some different terrain, right, under those circumstances. Um, and uh, uh, anyway, I mean, that's... Um, I, I, yeah, I wonder if that's the way that Elrond is kind of twisting that there. Um, and yet again, in Gimli's response, yet sworn word may strengthen quaking heart, seems to be rebutting that, but not getting it still, right? As if Elrond is still merely challenging his courage. Yet sworn word may strengthen quaking heart. Yeah, but that's why you take oaths, Master Elrond, right? Because, yeah, there might be a chance that when the night actually comes, you will experience the temptation uh, to falter, right? So, by all means, strengthen your spine in advance so that you have not only, you know, your convictions, but also um, the, um, uh, you know, the, the, the knowledge of the oath itself, right, driving you. Um, and, um, uh, Elrond just responds, or break it. Sworn word may strengthen quaking heart, or break it, or break it. Um, and that's a fascinating response in a couple different ways. It may strengthen a quaking heart, or break it. Under what circumstances would it break it? Well, break it if you're bound to something that you just can't do. So it's it's true. I agree with you, Bjarnason. It applies in both cases, right? If your heart really is failing you and you are bound to do something that you can't do, the oath can break your heart, right? Um, you may end up 
um, uh, you know, consumed with shame, um, like Dorlas was uh, when he didn't dare to um, follow Turin, right, up the side of the cliff, across the uh, river in the night. Um, you may uh, end up like those folks that, you know, remember the soldiers that Aragorn has pity on and sends them off to Kyrandros uh, on the way up to the Black Gate? Um, they didn't desert, but they're, they did swear, right? They've sworn loyalty, right? They're sworn soldiers, um, uh, sworn to follow their lords into battle, and their lords are leading them to a place that is absolutely getting to them, right? Um, and their sworn word was risking breaking them. And so Aragorn, having mercy on them, um, saves them from that fate, right? Um, does not drive them on, but saves them from that and shows a lot of sensitivity to that. So it's true in that sense, but it's also true, I think, in the other sense. Sworn word may strengthen quaking heart or break it. Think of the heartbreaking situations that oaths often lead to. If you have used an oath to strengthen your heart, again, you don't know, right? There's there's this unknown. You are taking a gamble, right? You're gambling that the thing you are swearing to do is the thing that you should be doing. And the situation may indeed come. And this is where oaths go wrong. Not the oath of Thanor, which is a bad idea from the beginning, right? Um, but if you think of other oaths that people find themselves sort of trapped in, right? Um, think of Finrod's oath, right? Um, for instance. But anyway, um, you will find yourself trapped in a situation where you are now bound to do the thing which it is clear to you is not the thing you should be doing, right? Again, imagine if Aragorn had sworn an oath like this. I shall never leave or abandon Frodo. Then where would he be? Breaking his heart is where he would be, right? When he can read the signs and see his heart is telling him he should be pursuing Merry and Pippin. But he can't because he's sworn an oath. And so he must either break his oath or do the thing that he knows to be not the right thing, right? Um, that's, that's hard. That's, it's exactly into such heartbreaking situations that oaths can indeed, um, land you, right? Um, yeah. And JJ, I agree with you. Um, part of the issue is that nowadays, uh, oaths aren't taken all too seriously by most people and breaking them is no big deal in middle earth. An oath is real and serious. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a big deal. It's a very big deal. Um, and uh, even, I mean, you think about, um, think about Faramir's words, right, later on, um, about how his idle comment about not taking it if he found it by the highway, right? Um, and he later says that he would have 
held that as a vow, right? Even just making an indicative statement about something that you would do or will do is binding, right? I mean, he considers it binding. Like, that's how seriously he takes his word. Um, uh, even though if he wanted to weasel out of that, he would have any number of ways to do it, right? It would not be hard. I mean, not even people who took oath-keeping very, very seriously would, I think, fault Faramir if they said, dude, you know, if he, I mean, they'd be like, man, look, you, you didn't even know what you were talking about when you said that, right? So one could hardly say that you're bound to hold to that statement as if it were an oath, right? But Faramir is like, no way, man. Like I said, I wouldn't and I won't. Um, uh, I mean, that's, I think, Faramir's statement there, I think, is the greatest extreme that we see of what truth speaking um, and oath keeping means uh, to the people of Middle-earth. It's a big deal. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Right. Yeah. Matt was asking, do oaths lead to anything but heartbreak? Um, uh, well, I don't know, but they sure do lead to heartbreak pretty often, don't they? Right. Um, so I do think that's the other thing. You know, I, so I don't think that Elrond is merely kind of cross-talking with Gimli here. Right. Um, Elrond is saying one thing. Gimli doesn't get it. Elrond continues to say the thing. Gimli still doesn't get it. Right. Like, I don't think they're just speaking to cross purposes here. I do think that Elrond is addressing what Gimli is saying. Right. Um, and urging him on that level to be cautious. But I, I do think all the way through we can see this other level. Right. You've got to understand. You've got to be humble. Odes are not humble. Um, they're not. Um, you've got to be humble. You've got to be flexible. Um, you have to realize you don't know what's coming and what might be asked of you, right? Um, and although it may seem stalwart and courageous to swear an oath now to strengthen a potentially quaking heart, right, in the future, um, it's foolish to do so. And you're more likely to end up breaking your heart one way or the other. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but I agree. I agree, Mad Violinist. Finrod's oath leads indirectly to Aragorn's existence. It's true. Um, yeah, oaths are not a bad thing. I mean, there are plenty of oaths in Tolkien which have at least ambivalent outcomes, right? Um, it's not just a, like a horrible thing to do and something that's always wrong. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, good. Okay. Um, look not too far ahead, but go now with good hearts. Um, okay. We're running out of time. I'm trying to turn over a new leaf and like not keep people wait. So I want to save the benedictions for next time. And then going to get to farewell next week we're going to get to farewell and i think that we're then going to leave rivendell i think it's happening actually we're going to set out on the road um uh but i will say a few things about the last since before we get to the 
farewells before we get to the benedictions. Um, and uh, that is, look at the last two things he says. Look not too far ahead, but go now with good hearts. Those are the two things. The two last things. He leaves them with a blessing. That's the very last thing he says. These are his last two pieces of advice. Look not too far ahead, but go now with good hearts. Um, look not too far ahead seems to me to be the capstone of the entire thing he's been talking about, right? Um, you know, that we've been looking at here this evening. Um, look not too far ahead is a really good summary of the, like, subtext of what he's been saying to Gimli, the message that he was delivering before that about tarrying or turning back or, uh, or, or whatever. Um, look not too far ahead. Don't think you know what's coming, right? Be ready for Providence to throw you curveballs, such as, hey, heading off in the opposite direction towards Fangorn is actually probably going to be, you know, the direct way to success, right? Um, uh, don't be afraid to stand on a bridge in front of a Balrog because it might turn out that that's just the way uh, to lead to the defeat of Sauron, right? Um, there's, um, you know, so yeah, don't look too far ahead. Um, by the way, you see the corollary of that? If you're not looking too far ahead, what are you doing? Looking around you right now, right? Again, one one sort of corollary to look not too far ahead is watch where you're going. Look, watch around you. Pay attention, right? Pay attention uh, to what things to what things come up, right? Um, uh, yeah. And then, but go now with good hearts. Um, go now with good hearts. What a strange thing that is to say, isn't it? On the one hand, it's one of those sentences which, at first glimpse, doesn't sound like a big deal, right? Go now with good hearts. Yeah, sure. Okay, fine. But then the more you think of it, it's like, um, what does that mean? What does it mean to have a good heart in this instance? I mean, it could potentially mean several things, couldn't it? Be of good courage, Gildalawin. I think that's how I've always read it. Um, I've never really tarried on this sentence before. Um, but yeah, I think when I am just kind of reading this through at speed, what I hear Elrond saying is be of good courage. Um, and I think that that's um, presumably at least one of the things that it does mean. Um, but yeah, Nancy L. asks, what would a bad heart look like? And I agree, Nancy, that's a great question. Um, don't go with a bad heart. And that's the interesting thing about good it's the adjective good, right? Um, is it, you know, it reminds me about the good, you know, like, you know, Bilbo and Gandalf's good morning, right? Um, uh, you know, does he mean it's a morning to be good on, right? It's like, so go now with good hearts. Does that mean um, a heart that has good in it or a heart that is good, right? In the sense of like, working well, right? Like not being, uh, being highly 
functional, right? Uh, that is, I, with the courage thing, right? I would, I would think it in, in in that terms. Um, I, you know, um, there are several ways to think about that. Um, and of course, I can't help but think of Boromir here, right? Who is certainly one of the people who is not necessarily going with an entirely good heart, or at least whose heart will not remain altogether good, right, all the way through, in one other sense, right? His heart is not going to quake. Um, he is not going to prove faithless in the way that Gimli is speaking of, right? Um, but it's, you know, his heart is going to fail of goodness uh, in a different way, right? Um, one of the things that I hear here too, Aspen, yeah, something like that, feeling good because it's full of Estelle, yeah. I think of all the cheering up of Frodo we've been talking about, about that it really matters. Um, Frodo's attitude, right? Frodo's sort of disposition here uh, to be hopeful and uplifted. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, uh, yes, I would th like, don't, um, don't be discouraged. Don't, um, don't, despair, right? Don't despair would be another paraphrase, I think, of go with a good heart. Um, so with courage, with hope, right? Go with hope. Go with goodness, right? Goodness. Um, uh, I think virtue is involved here as well. Yeah, with integrity. Exactly. Exactly. Gold, uh, uh, Gil Um I agree. Um, yeah, uh, that's good. Uh, Fromius Bujum, I agree. Contrasting, uh, sorry, not Fromius Bujum. That was Fort Dauntless. Um, maybe contrast this with Old Man Willow's bad heart. Um, yes, and thinking about Treebeard, talking about the bad hearts, um, which doesn't have to do with goodness in another sense, right? With the soundness of the of their wood, right? But they can be bad straight through, right? Sound is even though their sound is a bell. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's interesting. Um, yes. And, well, yeah, I, I also agree. I'm not trying to bash on Boromir here. Um, I think Boromir is awesome. And I, I think it's important that we not lose sight of the awesomeness of Boromir. I think, in my own opinion, Boromir's stock has been, uh, has really gone up, um, during the Council of Elrond. Um, I think the, um, the, Horn blowing was a little bit of a jerk move. I think we can see that he's not really accepting. Um, I think he's he's not on board with the plan. Um, I think we can see that he's um, holding in reserve. Right? He does not. I think he is not on board with the entire strategy. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean he's a jerk, and that doesn't, you know, on the whole, um, nor does it mean that he is, um, you know, bad straight through, right? Absolutely not. Um, however, he's still one whom it would have been very good for him to hear and receive Elrond's advice to go with a good heart, nevertheless. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Uh, interesting, Carrie, the one. Um, a rightly ordered heart focused only on what's truly good uh, for all, big picture. Um, yeah, that, that might be a, a good way to think about what it means to go with a good heart in that sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, then we'll get to the farewell. So next time we'll start with the, notice we're going to start with the word farewell and end with the word farewell, right? So that's where we'll get next week. And then who knows? Maybe we'll depart Rivendell. What a big deal. Um, okay, so I'm going to stop there and we'll go on to our field trip um, uh, to our field trip this week. Thanks for those of you who uh, join us for our book discussions who can't stay with us. Um, but we are going to shift over here and I'm going to try to remember where in Middle Earth are we. Also, uh, Valori couldn't be with us here this evening. Um, she is not feeling well again this evening. Uh, so... Um, we're going to try to carry on without her here. Um, okay, we were down in the... Um, oh, yeah, Fourth Dauntless. Um, next Mythgard class. So the next Mythgard Academy class, which is on Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass, is going to start next Wednesday. So not tomorrow, but next Wednesday will be the first session in uh, uh, Alice in Wonderland. Uh, read the first uh, few chapters of Alice in Wonderland, and we'll start off with that. Um, thank you for asking that. I meant to say that. Um, okay. All right. Um, oh, there we are. Sorry. Uh, sorry. I missed that the first time. Okay. So where are we going? We're going to Tornhod, right? Yep. To the angle of Mithyfield. I think that's the last, uh, last milestone I had there. All right. Um, Okay, right, our little village down here. Yes, okay. All right, so last time we went um, down to the ruins down here and we were looking around. Mm-hmm. And I was, what was my problem before? I was looking for Gwingris, wasn't I? But I was you like were. somehow wrong about that. Mm-hmm. How was I wrong? Where was I wrong? Wasn't, isn't Gwingris supposed to be on the other side of that point? Gwingris is uh, further north. I now want to, like, go... Okay, will we still see it? I'm still going to look for it. Oh, yeah, think, we'll definitely see right. it. All right, let's just see it. Well, then I'll just, we'll just find it. It's not where I thought it was, but, you know, i got to retrace my steps and see where I left it last, and, and, we'll, uh, and we'll see. But, okay, so Kariana is doing invites for those of you who want to... Join us on our excursion. Um, uh, and uh, <laughs> all right, Wheatbix is asking, would I by chance be taking an excursion to any settings I might have seen in any media I might have seen recently? Huh, let's see. Um, no, no, I didn't see any media that depicted the angle of uh, the uh, Horwell and the Mathaethel here. So, no. No. Oh, wait, no, the Horwell and the Mithaethel, that's totally the same river. Hang on. Um, yes, add the ruin in, I meant. Um, yes, yes. No, no, I have not seen this. I have not seen this. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, fine question. Okay, so wait, so what, where we were going, I wanted to go... Are we going up to the next milestone? Is that where we were going, or was I going to go... 
I'm trying to remember now. Yes, there. But if there's a secret. Uh, well, not a secret. There's a scenic route that'll be of a deep interest. Great. Let's go the scenic route. Which scenic route? I'm looking at the map. I don't see a scenic route. Um, it kind of. You see the, the like where the stable master is. Uh, Up there? there was like yes. Yeah. The uh, what Tom Lumren one right up here. Yeah, that, okay. those two roads branching down behind, below that. We want to come up that valley. Want to come up this valley from the south? Yeah. Okay, so we're going to cut across country. Yes, we are. Oh, won't that be bracing? Okay, let us go across country. That will be exciting. So, um, all right, here we go. Across country. Well, I'm not across country yet. So I'm going to go up here and then I'm going to set out. Just go straight. Like, boom, straight across country here. Can we do that? Um, more to the northwest. More to the northwest. Okay, so we're not, yeah. we're not, quite, we're not quite cutting yet. We, yeah, we want to cut up here on the north side of this waterfall. Okay. Um, because my cuts, short or long, usually <laughs> go, go wrong. So, yeah, uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna see. This is going to be... I feel good about this shortcut, JJ. I don't think it's going to be a long delay. I, ooh, look what a lovely little tarn up here. This is this is cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, with more ghosts, right? But I suppose that's to be expected. Very large insects, which we can't be surprised to be find as uh, uh, surprised to see. Um, some lovely ground mist, which is a great effect. Love that. Okay. Oh, all right. I'm seeing a big old ruin at 12 o'clock. What's uh, that's okay. We're going in the direction of something I think I haven't seen. So that's exciting. Looking across to the north. Beautiful little rugged hill valleys here. This is excellent. Little shallow Okay, streams. now look across the valley. Look across Higher the, up on the elevation. Uh, um, what the, the... Oh, there's another one. Oh, there's going grease up there. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. We there still want to go down into this valley. Yes, I recognize that from here. Okay, so there's going... Wow, so green grease is much higher than over here. I, I remember seeing from there from Gwingaris, like standing on the edge of those cliffs just a few short months ago and looking out. And the hills on the other side looked, or the cliffs on the other side looked higher, but I feel like we're way below that. Man, we are. Fr from here, those, that part, those party houses are like so utterly unassailable. Like that is, um, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, JJ, you're right. We have to be careful. There are lots of deer here, so. Ooh, okay, hang on. What do we have here? We have stone walls. Oh, and more recent, presumably, piles of bodies. That's not a good look. What do we see? I'm looking for skill skulls. Okay, these do look like human bodies. That can't be good. Um... Ooh, ooh, what else do we have over here? We have uh, uh, steps. And what was that, a mine shaft with those wooden beams sticking out? Interesting. But steps leading up to it. Steps into the mountainside. Okay. So we've got 
And bones. Look at the bones. Um, uh, okay. We want to go where Saganoth is, Hologrow. Yeah, There's something I will. interesting to see over here. Wait, over where? Um, where I am. Um. Where is you? Oh, way up there. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, where the, be is, where the beacon is. Yeah. Kind okay. of, but we're gonna hang but, out right. Okay, so I'm uh, I'm starting here. Hang on. There's. Right. Look, there's evidence of a. That's like a a wall piece, right? Like solid. Mm -hmm. Um, kind of bricked up between those two beams, which I can't tell. Are those wooden beams? Maybe those are wooden beams. Okay, so this was a doorway into the side of the wall, surrounded by bones and old fences. Does this mean that this is... I want to get rid of my horse. Does this mean that... I mean, it almost has like a Paths of the dead -y look here. Paths of the Dead-ish look. Mm -hmm. um, it does. Vaguely. Though the bones are too new, right? I mean, it's like there's no reason to think the bones had anything necessarily to do with the construction. Right. Um, this place is infested with wargs right now. Right. So you'd think that would really be the cause of your bone problem right there. Um, okay. And all right. Like, there, like that warg right there. So we come out. Here and here's a little side trail of this little road into piles of what, like slag or something. Oh, oh no! Oh, this is a very oh, bad yes. sign. Oh dear me! Look at that. It's a round door. That's horrible. Oh man. This town is called Glynnafon. G L Y N N A F O N. Mm -hmm. Glynnafon. If you hang right. Oh my yes, yes. Look over here. So it's not indeed the paths of the dead. It is just dead paths. Oh, so the little stone walls, a dead Hobbit village. How horrible! Let's see. Are there any reason to think these are? Because these are all modern bones. Oh my. Um, Step inside, said the spider to the fly. Bricks? Oh, yeah. And is there anything else out here to see? This, it's all just like uh, run-down little... I just, that, that's not, pretty I like much to... get you the point. I'm saving. I, I always like to save the best for last. Of course. So I'm just wanting to look and make sure. Just quick survey. All the, yeah, you can see what was a cute little hobbit village with the little hobbit stone walls. Right, and then we come down here, and there's this dude who's really lost. Um, okay, right, so you come down, and here's these boulders, little hobbit houses. Okay, so I'm imagining we come walking into this cute little village, little houses, some houses dug really into hard rock, which is unusual for hobbits, but... Um, now I'm trying to... Like, it's hard because you've got all the bones, right? Which, again, clearly modern, um, not necessarily contemporaneous. I mean, there would have had to been um, um, a powerful lot of hobbits here for their bones to make piles of that size. Um, a regular warren indeed. But um, 
so those are all new, but it's hard to look past that, you know, when trying to imagine what happened here. Like, I'm trying to decide, is there definite evidence that it was destroyed out here, or just that it was, like, abandoned and and run down? Probably destroyed. The way that the door was just kind of sitting there in the middle of the rubble looks like it was definitely wrecked rather than just... Yeah, that rubble across the way uh, where you discovered the round door is definitely... That was not just decay. That's the one that looks least like decay. Because you'd think, Mm -hmm. I mean, if it's natural decay, the wooden door would have been the last to go, or the first to go, rather, right? Exactly right. Um, But instead, we have this pile of rubble, some stone standing, but most of it just uh, trampled down. But the door is still, you can still tell it. So, yeah, it does look like it was destroyed. Oh, man. And then the warg set up here. Okay. Um, all right. All right. We'll go in. Okay. Let's see. What do we see here? Um, abandoned burrow, huh? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, more, lots of. Okay. We can see the same kind of door that we saw outside. I always loved how Lotra, like so many things in Lotra, everything is like scaled really big, right? Um, Everything's kind of bigger than you expect it to be. Like this hobbit door is so tall. I mean, look at this. This is a hobbit door that's like easily 12 feet tall. It's Bjorning like tall. 10 feet tall. Exactly. Right. Like I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm a big person here and I'm like barely at the midpoint. My top of my head is barely at the midpoint of this door. So these hobbits were building 12 foot hobbit doors such that the handle in the middle has to be like three quarters of the way down the door, right? Because if it were in the middle, there no hobbit could possibly reach it. Um, okay. Now we've so, seen interiors like this before. Uh, the abandoned ones in the Gladden. Yeah, Gollum's uh, hometown. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was thinking of those. Um, and the construction was very similar, right? The stone, uh, mm-hmm. the stone and wood, as I recall, the wooden beams in the ceiling, those all look fairly familiar. Uh to you know what we saw there in the Gladden, um, I don't see much in the way of uh, other evidence. Like there, you could still see some furniture and stuff like that, like broken furniture and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not seeing any kind of remnant, really, of anything like that. I mean, everything else looks imported. Hang on, what's that? More bones yes those are more bones are they it seemed to imply that maybe i mean other than obviously the crafting nodes which don't count um maybe whoever abandoned this maybe it was not it was abandoned but abandoned safely like people got out and took their stuff with them and took their stuff with them maybe yeah because i'm not seeing i'm just wandering around i'm not seeing any furniture anywhere except the crafting nodes but they don't again they don't count right yeah I, I don't you don't see I don't see any evidence that you know the ceiling not even is a really single spoon here, not even a spoon not even I mean like orcs would come in and trash the place but still you'd expect to see broken furniture I'm seeing nothing but said like, I mean my goodness whose femur is that Right, it's like a five-foot femur right here. So, it's the femurs of you know bones of all kinds of things. Um, yeah, I, I I agree. I don't think that um, 
Oh, wait. Oh, it's a crafting thing. Okay, sorry. I thought. Oh, it's yeah, a hiding work. Okay, I thought that was a. I thought that was a. Okay, ghost ward, but no, it's just stealthed. Okay. Um. So yeah, there's no furniture in here. No, not even a cupboard. No cloak rack. No torn clothes. It's all all the junk in here is imported. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So, I am going to think that the hobbits got out, right? Um, that this was a village that was first abandoned and then destroyed. Mm-hmm. So, hang on, let me out, out, out. Where are we? Okay. Hmm. Hobbits. Hobbit settlement. Out again. Okay. We're here. Thinking about the migration of hobbits. We've seen old hobbit settlements in the Gladden Fields. Right? Where Gollum's ancestors were. Mm-hmm. We've run into hobbits in the Enidwife. Yep, the Bugins. Right, exactly. So we're imagining the hobbits having either come through the Gap of Rohan or crossed over the mountains and have ended up down here in Enidwife um, on the, the western side of the mountains before then continuing on into the Breelands and then into the Shire. Um... Have we encountered hobbits anywhere else? Is there anywhere else I'm forgetting about? Um, no places that you've actually been. There are hobbits in other places in game. Okay, but I haven't seen them yet. Right, they're in the the Ms. Right. Morgul content. Yeah, good. Hologro, you're right. We saw them in Lindelby, which is further up. Well, that was the, the Vales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. F- further up in the Vales, not far from the Gladden Fields. So we saw some of those hobbits who sort of stayed and survived and. Um, didn't migrate uh, towards the west. So yeah, that makes makes sense. And, and again, in all of those places, right in in the Vale of Anduin and in um, uh, in the Enidwife, we've seen not only evidence of where hobbits were, but we've seen lingering communities of hobbits in those places. Um, okay, so. This, I suppose, would actually be a fairly sensible halfway point, or not halfway point, but, you know, um, waypoint for the migration from the Enidwyth, which is vaguely down here, right, to the east of uh, the Misty, to the west of the Misty Mountains, but north of, so we've got the Gap of Rohan with Dunland right on the other side of the Gap of Rohan, basically, and then to the north of that. So this these rocky bits here on this big map would be Enidwife. Right. And so from there, they would have then migrated up here to where we are now in the angle, and then from here outward. So they're going north, then what? Hit the dwarf road, bang a left, and get to Bree, right? Is that, yeah, I guess, what we're, we're kind of looking at here? Yeah, cool, cool. Um, so yeah, Tomas, exactly. Where else do we expect to find hobbits? That's what I'm looking at. Well, um... Uh, don't know. Don't know. I don't think, um, I just love Rune, Khand, and Harad just sitting here unclickably on the map in this, uh... Maybe this will change in an Enormously tantalizing way. No, that's what I love about it. That's what I love about it. Um, it's, um... 
It's even more tantalizing when at it least feels one like of those a areas. Well, there, there's more of a promise if you look at the stable master map and scroll down. Understood. That's my thing. Understood. But we'll yeah, no, it, it feels like a promise. I like it. But um, exactly, Tormarth, and it's like presence under the tree. Um, there weren't any hobbits in the Forredwyth, were there? Just men and dwarves. Sounds like that we knew of. No. Some elves. Okay. Um, Yeah, I wonder. Troy is asking, could these hobbits have had a relationship with the dwarves further down in Khazad-dûm? Perhaps that's where, why there's holes in the rock, or maybe they were inspired and encountered that kingdom on their way to the Angle. Um, yeah, perhaps. I mean, perhaps this is um, some serious tunneling into the stone. It's unusual from a Shire perspective, right? But, um, uh, and seems and even... And they're more digging in dirt. Right. Exactly. It seems unusual, even if you think about what um, what Theoden says of the stories of halflings that survive in Rohan. Right. Remember, he he mentions sand dunes specifically. Right. Um, that dig holes in sand dunes, which certainly does not sound like tunneling in hard rock for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Well. Um, that's really interesting. Where else would we expect to see hobbits? I don't know. They creep up in unusual places. But it makes um, you wonder where they're coming from besides just east to west. I mean, where did they come from originally? One of the wonderful... I wonder, do you think... Do we dare to hope that the Lotro folks are going to give us any speculative answer to that question. I think they will. I think they yeah. will. I think yeah, they considering might what they just did with the Gundabad story, I, I would say an emphatic, Oh heck yes. I, I, I would love to see it. I would love to see it. To me, it's one of the really fun unanswered questions in Tolkien. Where exactly, what, why, hob, why are there hobbits? Why are there hobbits? Um, who thought that was a good idea? Because somebody clearly did. Um, I mean, there were hobbits in Mordor in the Minas Morgul content, so they had to, they were around that area, you know, south of the Rauros in Daggerlad. Okay. Well, we will. Um, we will see. We will see. Um, we'll find out next month what's coming up. That's when the next producer's letter is supposed to come out. Nice, nice. And by the way, after we. Um, um, after we finish, um, after we finish the angle, we should totally go to the Yondershire. Yondershire. Yeah? Oh yes! Oh yes! Oh yeah. yes! Totally so excited. No bottle. I love it. You see all the names you expect to see, and yes, mm -hmm. Tyfield. You. Oh man! I can't wait till you see my favorite person in all of the Yondershire. Awesome. I'm not going to tell you it is. Yeah, yeah. I look forward to this. Um, uh, yeah, that's going to be cool. Um, <laughs> sorry, I was just briefly distracted. I have, I'm in a basement, so occasionally I get spiders who decide it's a good idea to, like, descend on threads, like, 
right over me. Occasionally, like one has come down either right on my head or right in front of my face, which is startling um, when it happens. So I was just looking over at the at the Discord chat on my second screen, and a spider was just like descending and settling on my second screen there. Um, uh, sorry, brief distraction. Um, okay, yeah, we'll definitely we'll definitely do Yondershire next. Well, um, I did not quite achieve my goal. Here, let's well, um, not far. Let's persevere. Quick, it's we we gotta go. It won't take wanna, long. I mean, I want to get to the next. How, how do we get out of this place? I've lost my way. I was just wandering around and not paying a lick of attention to where I came from. Um, so we go back to the door. Flying. What's your name? Sumerleth. I'm just trusting you know where you're going. Because, as I said, I wasn't paying the first... Thank you very Hello. much. Look at that. Very good. Okay. Here we go. So let's let's get to the next milestone, and then we can start there next time. Stunned duck. I was so glad you knew where you were going there. That was, that was excellent. Okay. So let's see here. I think we should be able to follow the road. Yes, we can. Follow the road. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's another fork on this road, but that's okay. I'm not going to follow it this time. We're just going to get to the milestone, and then we'll start from there. So, start from there next time. Okay. So I'm going to do that thing where I ride into a new town and not look around yet. Going to save myself for next week. Okay, so then we take a right. So this is the road that would lead back to Tornhod if we had come by the road. Mm-hmm. And here we have this lovely ruin to which I'm not paying the least bit of attention. Of course not. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is the ruin we were seeing from a distance. Ooh, a bridge. Oh, oh, this is my a favorite bridge. bridge. Would you look at that? Except I'm not. Um, because With we're going to talk about this next time, but wow. That light up at night. Yeah. Even you could manage not to Rivendell this bridge. I, I Look at that. I didn't even, I didn't even, it wasn't even a problem. Okay, oh, there's our stable master. Hello, stable master. Um... And then, uh, where's the, where's monster? It's back where's here it? in the corner. Okay. Uh, oh, right. Tucked away here between the tents. Okay, great. Woohoo! Torn hod bind. Okay. There we go. Nice. All right. Excellent. Okay. So we shall return here and look at this truly lovely ruin concerning which I have nothing yet to say, but we'll say things next week. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Um, I will be back next week. I'm, as far as I know, I'm not going to look too far ahead, but uh, next week I'm planning to be back. So, um, And I am i don't think I'm doing any traveling for the next few weeks, um, which, to be honest, I'm looking forward to not doing some traveling for a few weeks. Um, no secret travel to some no secret travel to yeah. unknown mm -hmm. destinations. Yeah, no, none of that planned so far as I know. Thanks, everybody, uh, and I will see you guys next week. Bye now. Bye now.